Well, welcome podcasters to another episode of Improper Mimi, where we talk about empowering women at home, work, and play. Today, we're going to have a conversation with a beautiful young lady that I have the pleasure of meeting. She's a great speaker and actually a new author. She just wrote a book last month, February, Black History Month. It came out. Um, so I want to introduce everyone to Christy. And Christy, can you tell us a little more about yourself and um, what it is that you do and what, why you love it so much? Yes, and thank you so much. I'm super excited uh, to get the chance to be on your podcast and, and really just connect with you and, and your audience and the people around you. Um, so Christy Tobias, I am by day a corporate businesswoman. So right, I'm, and then a superstar at night. Superstar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I actually have the privilege from a corporate work perspective of traveling around, well, pre-COVID, traveling mm -hmm. around the world, um, focusing on how to help organizations um, manage and lead through change. So as you know, most organizations go through just about any type of change all the time. Um, my background has primarily been healthcare. So as you can imagine, that is a beast of, <laughs> of undertaking. Um, but that is a lot of what I do is I help organizations and businesses uh, from the corporate side, understand how to lead through change, um, understand how to connect and engage with their leaders from the top down um, and really infuse and embed the meaning of how do we be successful with our people and not just throw changes at our people. Um, so it's kind of what I do in that corporate setting. A lot of that then bleeds into like the personal professional life for me because I'm a national speaker for my company, um, but I'm also a national speaker outside of the company too. So I do a lot of speaking within our organization um, for a lot of our conferences for just kind of one-on-one -on -one leadership institutes um, and then that kind of bleeds out into my community work um, where I live in Pensacola Florida so I'm one of those people that's like I bridge my personal and professional lives together like there's no separation for there's me. no way to separate because it's just your no. personality right you like it here is. and there and everywhere and I was never really super comfortable with that until like I'm 35 now so until I like got into my 30s I was like you know what we're just gonna enjoy and embrace the gifts that you have and share those in a way where it does help you connect and engage better across the board, both professionally and personally. So I love getting the chance to speak, which is actually what led me to writing the book. Cause there's this whole dialogue around my book, Fearlessly Made You, which, oh, look at this. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna beautiful. have a copy right here. <laughs> Just in there. <laughs> but it's it's so cool to be able to, to do all that. So it's like if people ask me like day in the life, like what do you do? I help people understand that change it happens, but it doesn't mm -hmm. have to happen to you. You can own and lead through that change. And I do that across professional and personal life. So I think that's kind of the best way to like sum it up in a cute little sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great because it really kind of brings it all together, like who you are. And like you say, you're not separating yourself, you know, from work and from play and you know, like home and this is you and everything that you do, you go out there, you, you connect people, you talk to people you meet. And, um, and I love it. I mean, I, I consider myself a connector. I'm like, man, I wish I could get paid to just network, you know, to just yes. network and meet. <laughs> that would be the life, right? To just travel and meet and talk with people. Um, but alas, yes, my day corporate jobs, more like corporate real estate, but it's still like a lot of people connecting and negotiating and teaching and training people, you know, so I, I started the podcast Improper Mimi, you know, kind of to just um, have that freedom, you know, like, you know, I, I, I love that name, by the way, because it's perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, like growing up, you know, it, it was like, kind of like be seen, not heard, you know, don't say this. And but now I'm like, I can say whatever I want, if it's improper or not, you know, but I, I still as sometimes feel 
you know, a little constrained, you know, like yeah. it could be in what I'm wearing or what I, you know, how I present my image at work. And, and that's one thing I really loved in your book, like you were talking about um, your image, you know, like how we kind of grow up or have this image about ourselves. And then it's almost like, at what point do you realize like, this is going to be for me, you know, it's not going to be an image for somebody else, but you're going to start living your life for yourself. Yes. You know? Yeah. I love that you say that because it's so interesting how image has evolved. And it's funny because just from the physicality of image, a lot of people would be shocked to know like what that is meant for me. And, and you read it in the book, but like starting out <laughs> with like a black woman's hair, like which is a huge thing. Like people think hair is just hair, but especially in the black community, hair is not just hair. Yeah. And there's something that's powerful behind that because especially like in our corporate jobs, there is a look you're supposed to have, which let's just put it bluntly, is always white woman look. And I'm like, that's first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break that down. But second of all, it's because I, I'm sure like you, I've always been surrounded by middle-aged white men. And there is an expectation of how you're supposed to present yourself. And to your point, being seen, not heard, don't ruffle feathers. And it's kind of like once, I shouldn't say I got over that, I was pushed into a different direction because it was no longer successful for me. And so I had to make the shift of, are you going to be authentic or are you going to be the person that someone wants you to be? And in that shift, I started to own, like messily own what my image looked like and cut off all my hair, you know, went natural, cut off all my hair, started coloring it purple and pink and, and blue and, and lavender and Love nobody it. cared, which was interesting. <laughs> nobody cared. They're like, yeah. okay, like this, this yeah. is easy. And I realized I cared more than anyone else did. Not to say that that's perfect. Like there are people who would say something, but when I stopped making it a big deal for them, they're like, oh, okay. We know that this is not something that is any of our business. Like exactly. Your opinion okay. isn't in my business. It doesn't impact the way I do my work. It doesn't mm -hmm. impact the person that I am, but it does impact how I feel about the person that I am. And I love that about myself. So yeah. it's cool and interesting that you say that that's one of the chapters. Cause that was an interesting chapter to write too, because it went back to like my days of in the pageant world where I was, I grew up in North Carolina. I was the only black woman on stage. I was the only <laughs> one that was like under five, eight. I'm like five, three on a good day. I work six oh, yeah. eight on a regular basis. <laughs> so you really stood out of the pageants, you know, as yes. a black woman and everyone yes. else are these like tall white girls. <laughs> yes. And the long hair. And I did the weave thing for a bit, which I personally like wear whatever hair you want, but it wasn't me. Right. Like it just yeah. didn't, it didn't feel like me. And then also like weave is a lot of work. Like people yeah. feel like it's not, it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> You got to take care of it. You got to take care yes. of it underneath it. You got to yes. go get it, you know, put in. Yes. It was yeah. just, like, so I just I had never to, was, you got to be you. You just got to be you. Exactly. I never was one to really mess a lot with my hair. And then even with it natural, it's still a lot of work because you want it to be tight, you know, right? You want it to always be in place. Yes. Um, and it's funny because I was reading um, Hood Feminism, um, I think by Mrs. Yes. Howard, right? And I was reading it with my daughter. She's a young working woman, as she says. Uh, she's 27, okay? <laughs> and and you we were reading it with some of our friends. And, you know, so we're getting the multi-generational view on it. And in, in parts of it, you know, talking about image, it, I guess I never realized like how much I told her. I'm like, you need to wear this or you need to wear that or you have to present yourself this way. You know, we and her growing up in Boston, it's like, she wasn't the only black kid at school, but um, it's, you know, the black students were definitely the minority. So mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I, you have to present yourself in a certain way. And then now that we're older and hearing her talk and then hearing me talk about how I go to work and I'm like, oh yes. Now that everybody's working from home, they're wearing sweatshirts, t-shirts. I'm like, I would never wear that to work. <laughs> 
It's a whole year. We've been working from home for a year and now I'm like wearing hoodies. <laughs> yes. And if there are no pants. Sometimes you don't have to wear pants to work. Yes. It's yeah, a magical exactly. thing. I mean, totally you awesome. have pants on right now. We don't know. You may never know. It's you a magical know. thing. <laughs> I had a, one of my, so my supervisor who has become, so I'll, I'll explain to you. He's amazing. He has become just a great friend. He's actually friends with Julie, our friend Julie. Um, uh, great friend, but he um, is a white man in his forties and he lives in Atlanta. And so he was, we were talking about um, just like life and advocacy. And he's one of those people that's like fully invested in, I'm going to educate myself to make sure that my kids understand that there are expectations that have been set for different people in different communities. And those expectations aren't real. Um, and so I say all of that to say, we had a really funny dialogue because we were just chatting and I looked at him and I was like, are you wearing pants? And he's like, you know, <laughs> there are shorts on. <laughs> I was like, They're like, yo, you got to be free. You got to be free. <laughs> Clothes are so constraining. You know, it's like when you yes. come in the door, even when we went to work, when you come through the door, you go straight to the bathroom and you don't have to pull take anything off. back up. Take them off. If you take nothing from today's podcast, here is what we're learning. Take off your clothes. Let them yes. be free. Release yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on Zoom. Don't be on Zoom when that happens. So. <laughs> you have to master the art of closing your window or like shutting down your camera, getting up, walking away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end. That's all. That's all I wanted to share today. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I would love for you to share is um, you mentioned the title of the book. Like I said, Christy's a new author. She just um, put out a book and. Um, so what, how did you choose the name of the book? Can you explain the name of it too? It's, it's Fearlessly Made You. Right? Yes. Um, so Fearlessly Made You came from a few things. So when, and I, you guys will hear me talk about my mom a lot. Mama Tobias is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, she, she's a rock star. She came from Jamaica, um, has this fierce independence because she didn't feel like she had that growing up. And so she's instilled that in us. And now she's, you know, I won't tell you how old she is because she would punch me in the face. Um, she's not a violent woman. She's just aggressive. Um, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> in a loving way, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she, um, but no, she um, taught us about the concept of you can have the ability to be your own person no matter how people feel about you. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that teaching, I learned there's that opportunity to be fearless and that's not without fear. It's not allowing fear to define you. Mm -hmm. And so that has come from my parents and my faith has been very important to me for my, my entire life. And um, there's a Bible verse that's uh, Psalm 139, I want to say, but it's you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, mm -hmm. I'll give you the exact Bible verse uh, for that. But in that Bible verse, it really talks about what it means to be okay with being exactly who you are. Um, yeah, Psalm 139, 14 is the actual Bible verse. And then also, as I started thinking about that, I was blogging. So I just kind of shifted from speaking to adding in blogging. Because um, mm -hmm. my mom was saying, you know, get your voice out there. Because as I was speaking more, I was starting to not allow fear to define me and starting to talk about the difficulties of, you know, what the book is based on, which is my post-traumatic stress disorder, um, my working through rape and assault and abuse and saying those words and being uncomfortable saying them, but being comfortable allowing other people to say them as well. So, you know, what I project, other people are also going to project. And in that, when as I started blogging, 
or started to prepare to blog, my mom and I just kind of kept thinking about, but what does that mean to share your story and be okay with it? What does it mean that you are comfortable in your own skin? And that verse just kept coming up. So we've got like fearless. So you are fearfully wonderfully made. So we're like, maybe fearless. And then there's a song by Jasmine Sullivan called Fearless. And that song just kept playing like on repeat constantly, like every day I would hear it. And so my mom was like, well, I am fearless. And then we're like, but if we switch it to something that's like catchier, fearlessly made, it's like, but you are the fearlessly made. So then I was like, mm -hmm. fearlessly made you. Um, and so it just stuck. And as I've been sharing it more, I get the question a lot of times from people of, well, you know, this book, like this is, this is starting everything is like, no, being fearlessly made is who you are. And that mm -hmm. is, you know, if you want to put a brand around it or whatever it is, it's, it's the exact person that who you are. The book is a product of that, but being fearlessly made is a way to live. Uh, and so that's just kind of where I want this entire thing to go. Like the book's just part of that. It's just the idea of living your life that way. Yeah. No. Oh my goodness. And yeah. And thanks for sharing because it, it, it helps to put it into perspective. You know, you're, I, I'm really enjoying the book. And I mentioned, you know, that we have so many various things in common, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're living like so far away from each other. And um, it's ironic but, to me because I feel like we're like right next next to each other. Like I feel like she's there. Like, <laughs> like hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like I was raised in a very faith based family as well. You know, um, we moved from Ohio to Boston because my father is in ministry, and that's why we moved to Boston. And just even you know playing sports in high school and. Um, being a survivor of, I would say, um, like sexual abuse, it's like um, being able to enjoy life, but then yeah. you also kind of have this um, remembrance of like past things that have happened. Um, that happens to everyone, I think. And I think we tell ourselves it doesn't. And so when you have the more um, invasive traumas like sexual assault and sexual abuse, there's the, oh, you've gone through so much. I was like, let's let's step that back a bit. Cause yeah, that's a yeah. lot, period. But so many people have gone through so much and there's an, a unity that happens in understanding that, yeah, trauma isn't normal and trauma is not natural, but it's still part of life. Mm -hmm. And so allowing that trauma to not own you, but you working your way through, what am I learning from the, the disappointments that trauma produces? What am I learning from the, the discomfort that it produces? And who am I connecting to because of that? So that it's not just insular to me, it's like we are today. It's how are we now connecting and engaging and learning together and building forward? Cause you never move on from trauma either. I think people misalign that at some point in time you're gonna move on from what this is. It's like, no, but you are gonna move forward and <laughs> you're right. going to yeah. identify what your move forward looks like. Yeah. It's like one of my friends, um, there's like trauma all around us, you know, one, you know, may have lost, you know, a job, another one may be sick at this time. And so there's always, you know, different trauma going on around us. And it's like, for some, you know, it's okay, we'll give you your time to grieve. And then you got to get up and keep moving, you know, like yeah. this happened to you, but it doesn't define you. You know, exactly. so <laughs> it yeah. sounds like a book we were just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and even when you mentioned that the book is about um, PT, um, PTSD, it's like, wait a minute. You most usually when you hear that, you think of 
an older white man, perhaps who may have been in the military, or even you know, in our age range, you still think of um, people in the military, or even you know, black crime, or you know, police on black young men crime. Like you think when you're thinking of PTSD, um, and so I think it would be great for our listeners to to just hear as you describe it, like your develop, you know, not development, but your um, discovery of PTSD and like how that impacted your life. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So, um, and I won't give it away. So for those of you that are going to read the book, which is all of you listening, I'm sure. um, (laughs) When uh, there's a chapter that goes through the, what led up to the post-traumatic stress disorder. um, Mm -hmm. And there's there's multiple things. I focus on kind of the one um, specific incident um, that lasted for six years. But um, when I went through a lot of therapy, a lot of trauma therapy, and they pieced together other parts of my life that connected the dots to yeah. more. Um, but for the purposes of today, um, so when I was 14, I was uh, started a relationship with someone that I should not have. Um, the long story short of that is from 14 to 20, um, I was raped, assaulted, abused on and off throughout that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person ended up being a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was also a professor where I, not at my university, but at a local university right. and a white professor. And so when I got out of that, when I was 20, um, I got out of it in a way that a lot of people do that have gone through any type of assault or abuse. I was um, sent to the hospital via ambulance. Um, and so it was a moment of when you, not the end of trauma, but the realization that the immediate danger is yeah. over, but that opens up, it kind of breaks up in this like, what do I do now? Like, what, what, right. what happens now? Because then, you know, there is the whole, and I, I won't get into all the details of it, because again, I, reading it and you breaking it down is really so powerful, but I tried to go, you know, tried to prosecute. Um, tried to go down all these routes for the healing from a justice perspective, which I never got. So I never got justice, to be very honest with you, and a lot of people never do. What I then had to do is circle through, well, what does that healing look like for me? And so I had already been going to counseling um, at my university at the time, um, and my therapist uh, was amazing. And I guess for me, because of that relationship, I knew something was wrong. And so I started going to counseling about a year before all of that happened or ended. And my um, therapist connected me with the trauma therapist as well. And so in those moments, he said, you, I would identify what you have as post-traumatic stress disorder, because it takes about 30 days after um, you either having gone through something even more traumatic for kind of things to hit. Um, for the diagnosis, but he's like, it connects the dots to a lot of what we've talked about. And so I, you know, was on medication, I was in trauma therapy, I was on all the things. Um, and it took a lot for me to understand what post-traumatic stress disorder is, which is basically your um, reaction. So it's physical, mental, emotional, psychological reaction to a traumatic event. And so I fully believe a lot more people have PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder than we realize. Uh, I think it's there's such a taboo and such a stigma around any type of mental disorder that people don't understand the psychological impact behind it. And I think we use mental issues as just a, a go for all or a go between for everything. It's like, no, we need to really define and break apart what each of these things mean and why. Um, and so to your point, when people, when I would talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, they're like, oh, were you in the military? No. 
I did not go through warfare, but I did go through internal warfare. And that's how I kind of define it for people that are trying to figure it out. There's an internal warfare that you go through where when you have a stress disorder, you kind of lose the person you were before. It's like I was a shell of myself. I couldn't, there are things I don't remember. So there are different signs and symptoms that happen. For me, mine was, and I had a wonderful memory. Mine was memory loss, <laughs> which is still like frustrating for me yeah. to like to this day because there are things that um, like my friends from high school will talk about things and I'm like, I don't even know. Like, what, what, Girl, what I, I definitely need, need more help in that area because yeah, yeah there's I'm definitely a lot of stuff that I don't remember. And yeah, it I could remember. be from trauma because yeah. people don't pay attention to the, like the biological things that happen is it breaks apart synapses in your brain. And so it like burns them. Like it's like significant stress on the body burning out different parts. And so I think those are the other things like to your point of, but what does that look like? What does it sound like it? It's your body physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically going through trauma over and over and over again because you have the nightmares, you have the rage. I was suicidal for a very long time. Um, actually, in, being in college, they had to take away like all of my sharp objects. Like I had people come in, they're like, we're taking away your scissors, we're taking away your knife. Yeah. <laughs> like they took all the things away. Um, but it's, I was surrounded by wonderful people. So, you yeah. know, the point of I had great people around me. I had great resources. I had the ability to be part of great resources. Um, when I graduated from college, I didn't have a lot of money or anything like that. And so there were times where I had to decide between um, going to trauma therapy and, you know, having a full meal throughout the day, uh, which, you know, is not as bad. Like I, you know, I was okay. I was fine, yeah. but I wasn't fine, you know, internally. So I made those decisions, but it just, it's, it's a lot for people to, Mm. not understand and I think it's okay like to not understand what's not okay is to pretend like the trauma in your life hasn't impacted you like that's not okay because yeah exactly they just sweep it under the rug because it manifests in everyone in a different way exactly. I'm telling you it was like um maybe 10 10 years later before I even realized or started acknowledging that I was raped I yeah. was like yeah, oh, just in the wrong place, wrong time. I didn't really want to be with this person, you know, whatever. But I had gone to therapy because um, one of my family members passed away. And then, you know, you keep going and going and digging and digging and then explain, you know, oh, so now my past of what happened and how I process feelings and stuff. And I'm like, huh, yeah, I guess, mm -hmm. I guess that was right because, yeah, I, I, I definitely did not want it to happen. Try to get out, you know, yeah. and I'm like, okay, yeah, so that wasn't my okay yeah and you know again thinking this person's like five years older than me oh no surprise guess what he's like 10 years older than me I'm like oh okay great thanks you know good to know all the things um, that you didn't want to know but yeah and yeah it, yeah things, and you know I don't know if you feel this way but I have felt like I think across communities the word rape is so jarring to people that we mm -hmm. don't say it and we pretend it doesn't exist and so like, there's a difference in rape. There's a difference in sexual assault and there's no such thing as date rape. Like I hate when people say date rape is like, no rape yeah. is rape. Like you mm -hmm. put it in front of it, doesn't make it any less rape, but you're yeah. trying to make it less. It's like, no rape is a thing. And we have to say it because it puts the power back in your hands of yes, I was raped. No, I am not my rape. Like, those are two different things. And we have to really own that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then just um, owning it you know, coming to peace with it, um, living with it, learning to live with it, you know, to keep living through life, you know. Yes. Um, people always think, <laughs> <laughs> it's <right>? still there. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
people see me, they're like, oh, you're always so happy. You know, da, 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 da. Oh, everything's great. Perfect. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, that's because that's the image I want you to see. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the easy image for us, but then it's yeah. also like, but to what part, like to what effect? Because then in the background, like there's the, the vulnerability of saying, yeah, it's the image I'm giving you. Yeah. I'm not okay. Like I, I'm exhausted and I'm tired. And I think I was on, um, a friend's podcast a couple of weeks ago and one of my dear friends lost both of his parents mm-hmm. um, to COVID and I got I was on the podcast like an hour after the funeral and I was like legit so I was like I'm not okay and I said it was like and I think we have to all be okay with saying like I'm not okay like be right. real about that because it allows other people to say oh they she always looks like she's okay it's like yeah <laughs> it's, it's okay like you don't have to be okay <laughs> yeah And I think that I did that for so long that it even took my friends and family around me to get used to me saying I'm not okay and to not think of it as a joke because they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, seriously, I'm really having a rough time right now. And I just kind of want to talk about it. And because, you know, for most parts, they'll be like, oh, you're so funny. And I'm like, no, seriously, listen to me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that's just another, you know, plug also for, for counseling and therapy because, and it's becoming, and I think the millennials and, you know, the new um, Gen Z's, you know, they're very, a lot more comfortable with therapy nowadays, like in the (laughs) right? Going through all the things, (laughs) right? They're like, oh yeah, you know, it's one of my normal, you know, health benefits. I'm going to go do this, go do that, or, you know, take advantage of, you know, the opportunities of, um, you know, counselors in school or different um, community organizations. But yeah, they're a lot more open to it now than, you know, like 10, 20 years ago. Um, And and I'm really appreciative of that, you know, um, that it's a- It's part of that stigma, right? Yeah. there's the yeah. suck it up generation as well. Cause I'm like, I guess I'm considered, which I don't, I take offense to this. I'm considered an old millennial. And I'm like, what does that mean? How am I an old, like, am I old? Like, what? Like, You're on the cusp. How, how about that? You're on the cusp. Yeah. I'm on the cusp. I don't know what it is, but it's like that whole like Gen, what is it? Gen X and mm. then baby boomers. It's like the suck it up generation. I think Gen X especially yeah. is like, cause y'all. They didn't even really believe in therapy that why would a teenager need therapy? What What is stressing you out in your life? Your job exactly. is cool and get good grades. You'll be what fine. <laughs> what could possibly be stressing the youth today? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and um, I just remember as raising my daughter, you know, like, okay, just, you know, I'm from the suck it up generation and I'm like, okay, tell me about your feelings, you know, like trying to like uh, appreciate that there may be bigger things stressing her out than, you know, um, what I see on the surface. Yeah. And, and then sticking up for her for that because others would be like, what does she have to worry about? And I'm like, kids in school these days, it's a lot of stress. You know, you got... You got your racial, you got your academics, you got, you know, the friends, you got, you know, all you have access to everything now too. So they're seeing everything, like mm-hmm. everything on the news, whether it's fake news or not, like they're just seeing all these things. And it's just yeah. all <laughs> it's just too much. a lot. <laughs> oh my goodness. So what are some of the things that you do to relax? Like what are, you know, um, we talk a lot about like empowering and, and freedom and, you know, releasing ourselves, but what are some things that you like to do to relax? I drink a lot of wine. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
there's a chapter dedicated to wine. It's like, do I really need a glass of wine? I'm like, yes, yes, you do. Um, I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do. Whenever I can, I love to go to a winery with some friends, yes. have some wine time, you know, yes. on Zoom. Yes. I, I love the culture behind wine. Honestly, wine and whiskey are kind of cultures that I really enjoy and I really love. But the reasoning behind it is I enjoy the experience. So they're going to the winery, having a day, like going through the grapes and all, you know, just understanding and kind of learning about it. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I do work out a lot. Mm-hmm. So I cycle. Um, I do Ride Society here in Pensacola is amazing. My friend Claire owns it. I love it. Um, I used to have a, a, a bodybuilding trainer. So I used mm-hmm. to bodybuild. So I do a lot of weightlifting as well. My trainer Ooh, my nice. is a really good friend of mine. Um, so those are kind of the big things, like just to release. I always need a little bit of a release. So working out gets me that release for sure. Um, and then writing, of course, has become a lot of um, an outlet now. So I try and blog like once every other week and just to kind of get that out there too. Um, and then I do a lot of reading. I'm always reading um, within, you know, I do read the Bible a lot, but I read a lot more like devotional books because I find that just the words in the Bible are great, but mm-hmm. I, I need kind of some perspective sometimes to kind of piece things together. Yeah. Yes. So I do a lot of reading. <laughs> Um, faith-based. I do a lot of professional. I just do, I do a lot of reading. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly reading a book, usually like two or three at a time, you know, yes, and, too. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. one may be for commute. One may be to relax for bed with that glass of wine, you know, Always um, that glass of wine. but yeah. Yes. That's the one thing I will say I miss about living in New York is, um, I love, so I would go from Midtown to the Bronx like every day because we, for some reason, lived in Midtown and, and worked in the Bronx. And then um, I always had my commute book. So I always had something I was listening to. I, mi- I miss that because now it's like, well, I'm going to go from my bedroom to my office. Um, <laughs> exactly. I started inventing commutes. So because I'm from the bedroom to the table, I'm like, I'm going outside, walk around the block for like an hour and then come back in. That um, is a good idea. Oh, I yeah. love it. I mean, it's, the like weather here isn't as beautiful as it is in Florida, mm-hmm. but I'll bundle up and, you know, just get out there. You it's know. hot right now in Florida, but beautiful is right. You're right. We're not, we don't get the snow. I did do this thing. I will have to tell you. Um, so when we were in height, the height of lockdown, um, mm-hmm. we did, I did um, every day I was in a different place. Uh, mm-hmm. So in my house, I started putting wine glasses in different rooms. And so I went on a, a winery tour. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I then, I, yes, I did a um, escape room in my house as well. My family was highly entertained by that because I like had a little whiteboard and I would write riddles to figure oh. out what drink I wanted. So <laughs> I would put the drink in, a, in whatever location the riddle told me to put it in. Yeah. Um, so oh, my God. See, that this, that's that creativity that we love because, you know. <laughs> We have to figure out some way to keep ourselves amused, you know, throughout this whole pandemic. Amen to that. Ooh, yes. My dog was entertained. He's like, I don't even know what you're doing right now, but it, I'm entertained. He's like, I'm here for it. I'm going to just follow you around, watch you drink that wine. Okay, follow you around some more and watch you drink that. <laughs> that's, that's, no our life. that's our life. <laughs> just me and the dog. <laughs> exactly. Well, Christy, I mean, thank you so much. I'm just so thankful that you, you know, had the time to join me today, that you know, we could share, you know, some of our story, but even more importantly, share our experiences that um, others could relate to um, that, 
Um, if you guys have any comments, you know, go ahead and leave them, you know, for the podcast, follow Christy, let us know where people can find you so that, you know, they can follow you, whether it's your blog or your book or podcast that they can get, um, stay up to date on what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. So my website is fearlesslymadeyou.com. It has access to the book. You can find the book anywhere, actually Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of that. Um, if you live in Pensacola, Florida, you can find it at the local bookstore, Bodacious uh, Bookstore. But yeah, you can follow me on Insta, ktobias85, um, or on any other platform, Facebook or LinkedIn, Christy Tobias. But yes, please, I I love connecting and engaging with people, send me notes, comments, messages, um, and I, I'd love to engage with you. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Well, our engagement was quite wonderful my, ourselves. So we'll have to do it again with some glasses of wine with us. Yes. Always, always, always <laughs> wine. And I'll be sure to put your info down below too. So people can, you know, click and find you and all that good stuff. Um, so thanks everyone once again for listening to Improper Mimi, where we empower women with our words and our stories and our experiences. We want you to be able to feel free to speak about how you feel at home, work, and play. And there's nothing improper about that. So anytime you are listening to your favorite podcast, wherever you're listening, you can find the Improper Mimi there as well. All right, ciao. Thanks. <laughs>